Hello and welcome to Last Time On. This is the podcast for people who want to watch all this prestige television, but who's got time for it? You know I don't. Yeah, we all know the time is just a construct created by the clock industry to sell more clocks. Yeah. Big clock. Big 100%. clock. I'm Jafar. I am Ben. I'm Victor. And today we are joined by our special guest, the gatekeeper herself. I am the gatekeeper. Angela. Welcome to the show, Angela. Thank you, thank you. Angela is a very good friend of ours who is probably the biggest Stargate fan in Central Texas. Definitely Central Texas, possibly the universe. So welcome. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) All right. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. Thanks so much for helping out this season. Of course. As we've gotten a ton of stuff wrong. (laughs) No idea how excited and terrified at the same time that I was when Victor first approached me. Hey, you want to do this? Yes and no. (laughs) None of y'all have ever seen it. Oh, heck. And I'm using my knife. It's kind of what we do here. It's okay. You can can swear on the show. It's fine. Oh, yeah. We've got an explicit content thing. Excellent. All right. Well, we are here today to find out what we missed. So we've got a synopsis of SG-1, courtesy of Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. We get about two sentences an episode, and we're just going to run through this and read everything that happened in the show over hopefully the next 35, 40 minutes we can get through this. All right, are you sending us the link to this? I have already put it in the hidden channel on the Discord. Oh, the the Discord doesn't help me at all. Okay, I don't have Discord on I'll do season one to start. Oh, right. It is just the Wikipedia entry of SG-1. All right. I got it. Um, now, now, before we get started, so this, for for those of you out there who are just joining us, we have our patent-pending, clinically proven formula. How Patent-to-be-pending. Yes. For how to consume entire seasons of media on television in record time. And mm-hmm. what we're doing here is we're going to... We're going to test the efficacy. Yes, that word. <laughs> Got it. Of our system that we've created here. Now there are. We have seen a total of what is it, Jafar? Is it thirteen episodes? Thir- thirteen or fourteen episodes of Stargate. Yeah, twelve out of out of over two hundred. Oh my god! Out of over two hundred. Yes, yes, and he has been randomized, and we have. I feel like we have a fairly good understanding. To the point where we can call ourselves experts in Stargate SG-1 at this point. This is TV homeopathy. It's we take a little bit of it and we dilute it down. And then we dilute mm-hmm. that down a little bit more. And then we get the real essence of it. These are the Cliff's Notes of television that we are creating here. For those of you that can't see me smacking my forehead right now. Oh, no. <laughs> now, we've we have... May, had to make a lot of assumptions okay. in our watch through of SG One, yeah. and probably one of the most important assumptions that I would like I would like for you, Angela, as our official gatekeeper of the show, if you could please just explain to us in your own words who are the Tokra and why are they turtle people? So, explain turtle people. Go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, go. Oh, yes. you know they're they're aliens that are like. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that's the, that's our sharper beaks. That that's one of the, the that's one of the so assumptions we had to make. We, so. we have made it through Stargate with many references to the Tok'ra, but never actually encountering one. Okay. We've never seen a Tok'ra. How you have not encountered so, the Tok'ra? I I don't know because they are a huge thing. The dice. But so no, they are not turtle people. They don't look anything like oh, turtles. It's impossible. They, they're not. Turtles. The Tok'ra are an offshoot of the Gua'uld. They, thousands of years ago, okay. they're, they're much like a, they're not the same exact species because they branched off so long ago, but they are the same type of creature. They're a parasitic symbiote. They, so, okay, okay, so they're slugs just like, they're, okay. they're snakes. They, <laughs> they branched off thousands of years ago because their ideology did not match the Gua'uld. They did not want to control human beings. They didn't want to force hosts to take place. 
they um, meld with their host or blend willingly. And the symbiote and host share their lives equally and share the body equally. So when you meet the Tok'ra for real, whenever you get an opportunity to watch those episodes, you're going to hear a human voice in a, and that particular person speaking in the Gua'uld voice, the, the upgraded, volumized, I am a Tok'ra. Mm-hmm. And oh, so it's quite possible that we could have seen a Tok'ra because they'd look just like regular humans then. Exactly. So you probably so we could have... an episode or two. I'd have to look over your list again, but they are... <laughs> they are never referenced in any of, like, oh, it's Jim, the Tok'ra guy. All we've had is like, <laughs> yeah. hey, we got a message from Tok'ra Intelligence. We, we, we get phone calls from him all the time in our watch thread. Yeah. Did you watch anything that involved Jacob Carter? No. Okay. That no. no. Wait, Jacob no, that's, that's Carter. father. Oh, yes. Oh, we, he was oh, in one. We, we saw one okay. when he was trying to get her to go to NASA with the okay. conspiracy theory guy. So near the end, he goes, he's very sick. I can't remember if that's a part one or two. They reveal he has cancer in the first episode he's in. Okay. Or the first episode we so, saw him in. Is it okay for me to explain what happens after that? That is exactly what we were here for. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, so that's today. That's what cancer. we're doing today. She finds out it's terminal. It is very terminal. He has mere weeks or months to live, maybe days. There is a okay. Tok'ra who has aged out of her body. And the short version is the Tok'ra, Tok'ra. The Tok'ra take hosts willingly. They tend to take on hosts who are ill or injured especially those who are terminally ill, heal them, and then they live symbiotically in unison for the rest of whatever their lives are. And a human life, even with a symbiote, is only a, f- a few hundred thousand years, I'm trying to recall right now, but they, they only live a certain amount of time. So this particular symbiote, this particular Tok'ra, had outlived its host. The host was about to die. And unless the symbiote, the Tok'ra, takes on a new host, it will die as well. But they do not force humans to take hosts. They will not. So they're kind of like the trill. Yeah. They're like the trill from Star Trek. Very very similar. But yeah, they would rather die themselves than take on a new host by force. Sam is recalled saying, your father's about to die. He's in the hospital. He has days, moments to live. And she had the idea, well, if this can work for others, why can't being with a Tok'ra work for my dad? Mm-hmm. He reveals what she really does, who she really is, to her father. Of course, he doesn't believe her at first. They take him <laughs> to the SGC, down to the gate room, and they go through. And he ends up blending with a to- uh, with a Tokra whose host was too old, could not continue to oh. live. And we see him in many, many episodes after that. Very, very big, cool. important part of the story later on. I'm we surprised. See him. <laughs> I'm surprised that's the only one y'all came across because there's so many. But 13 episodes at over 200, also not surprising. But yeah, he, he's a very big part. Well, I think of Ben had a prediction. Voice. They're an offshoot that... of the Gua'uld who differ, who differ or in, in belief. Yeah, okay. uh, I did have a prediction that Dad Carter was going to be a character we only saw once. Mm-mm. We we now know Wrong. that's not true. I actually, I didn't mm-hmm. look up any of his character arc stuff, but I, I pulled up okay. IMDb and I'm like, oh, that guy was in 28 episodes. All right. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the sad part is there is an episode later on. Where Selmak, Selmak is the name of his symbiote. Selmak is also <laughs> very, very old, a good three or four thousand years old. Selmak hides his illness from Jacob. Selmak is dying. And at a point, there is an episode where Selmak is too old to leave Jacob willingly, and Jacob dies anyway. So we see hmm. Samantha eventually lose her father after 28 episodes of. Oh, wow. So. Ugh, heavy. It's it's very Damn. very serious, very dark, very heavy. But yeah, Jesus, dude, that's that has got to be one hell of a bummer. It, to to first off, first off, you get cancer that sucks in itself. Then you get your life cancer. saved by an alien symbiote. <laughs> but then the alien symbiote has cancer as well. Yeah, basically. But basically, it wasn't cancer. Just Selmak was too old. Hey, you and, got he and, got more time than he would have had. I would exactly. have. Yeah, yeah. He got to he got to say goodbye to his daughter. Got to get. To become friends with his daughter again, and even got to know his. I'm just assuming she. Again. So, so I'm just assuming in 28 episodes he must have saw her go out into space at some point. Then. Oh yeah. Because that was a big a big deal in the the one episode we did see him. <laughs> he wanted her to go into NASA, but when he realized what she really did, when he fully realized, okay, you're telling me the truth, you can go to other planets. That's even better. 
And NASA's fucking mm. lame compared to what we do. <laughs> no. yeah. You hang out in orbit? Lame. But yeah, she, All right. She even gets to compete in a space race where it's it's what it sounds like. It's a, a race where alien ships, they're this particular planet and cultures. There's a Mad Max episode. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> I know, this sounds more like the, the shuttle race episode of Voyager. I was, or, that's what I was yeah, thinking. That's, yeah, that's a bit more accurate. That's a bit more accurate, yeah. Basically, hey, we're going to compete in this thing, and we go in this loop. It's called the Congruat Loop, and everybody builds their ship, tweaks their ship, and whoever wins gains the shipping contract for the next year for that particular planet. And so Sam, Sam, so it's like, Sam gets to compete in it. Huh. So it's uh, so it's like Fast and the Furious in space. It's, uh, it's SG-1, two... Two, two SG, two Furious. And when I first saw the episode, it was almost a jumping the shark moment for me. And I'm like, oh god, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. But I'm glad I kept going. But I think for us, the jumping the shark moment was the was when they had literal transporters and were literally beaming down to the planet. Oh no, those are very important. <laughs> and anyway, yeah. Very important. It, yeah, it just does seem like the last few seasons they were like, let's just do a Star Trek show. A little a little bit, yeah. Especially once we got the X-303 and you're like, okay, we can go anywhere whenever we want. We can go to a whole other galaxy. Yeah, that's a little bit Star Trek-like. All right. So we're going to start reading off episode descriptions and we're just going to try and barrel our way through this. <laughs> we really want to do this as quick as possible because we do have 200 some episode descriptions to read. Oh I'm my. sure in so here, if we somewhere statistically, they literally do jump a shark. Uh, <laughs> it has to have happened. They're magical at recovering from those moments, though. I will tell you that. All right. So I'll, I'm going to start with season one here. Ben, if you want to queue up season two, I'm Vic, you want to queue up season three? Yep. Okay. I'll get us going here. So I'm just going to say and then to signify moving to the next episode rather than read a bunch of episode titles <laughs> in the interest of saving time. And then. And then. So the Stargate program is revived when Apophis, an alien of the same race as Ra, comes to Earth through the gate seeking hosts. After the attack, Carl Jack O'Neill and Samantha Carter are set to Abydos to locate and bring back Daniel Jackson. They're all sent to Chulak and befriend Apophis's first prime, <laughs> Teal'c, a Jaffa... Jaffa? Jaffa. It's a Jaffa. Jaffa. <laughs> oh, Come on. <laughs> yeah. Jaffa. A Jaffa, an incubator to a larval gold mm -hmm. who joins their side. He helps SG-1 return to Earth, and though they cannot save Daniel's wife, Cherie, and his friend, Chakra, they've been taken as hosts. Sure. And then, after being infested with the Gould parasite in a previous episode, Major Charles Kowalski shows signs of possession. The symbiote Kowalski. is removed but Kowalski remains possessed and is killed by Teal. No! Oh, Kowalski! <laughs> One episode two. So why we never saw him again. And then SG-1 uh, visits the planet inhabited by the Shadabi, a nomadic tribe that descended from the Mongols. They regard <laughs> women as property and restrict their rights <laughs> in the belief that to do otherwise would bring demons down upon them. These demons are the Gould. Carter ends up being sold, but when Carter beats a chieftain in hand-to-hand -hand combat, ah, the team... I the team changes the tribe's opinions about the rights of women. Ding. Point for Victor. I predicted that one. So <laughs> Guest starring Soontech O and Kirihu Tagawa. I know those names. Hand race. We do, <laughs> we do see Kowalski again, but it is an alternate reality. Yay! My boy! That's another prediction. <laughs> it's, it's not our Kowalski. It is another Kowalski. So we get no, the Kowalski. wrath of Kowalski. Yeah, kind of. Yes. Uh, and then SG-1 travels to P3X-797, a planet divided into light and dark sides. Ooh. When the inhabitants of the light side have a Bronze Age culture bearing similarities to the Minoan civilization, the, the dark side is infected with a plague that turns people into savages, and Stargate Command is locked down when SG-1 brings it home. Dr. Frazier manages to find a cure for both peoples. And then, as SG-9 is on another planet... And long overdue, SG-1 is sent after them to find out what happened. They soon discover the commander of SG-9 has gone completely insane and set himself up as a god on the planet. And then, a strange crystal strikes down O'Neill, replacing him with a double that returns to Earth to find the cause of O'Neill's private grief, his son's death. Hand raise. Uh, but the double is dangerously unstable. Can O'Neill return home to save everyone and prevent chaos? Okay. 
Yes, Angela. So the Chris, the pretending to be a God episode, that particular gentleman is actually yes. the ex-fiance of Samantha Carter. Ooh. Ooh. I know, right? But like in, oh, like in, in, in universe. The, the like the actress and the actor were engaged in real life. Yes. Yes, they were. Oh, they were. Oh, oh okay. If, wow. If I okay. recall correctly. Real life stuff about some of the actors, I I, I would have to double check myself. But okay. Yeah, but that particular um, time in that episode, the character was Samantha Carter's former fiance. Oh, okay. Okay. And All right. <laughs> After that, when a planned ambush goes awry, resulting in fatalities among SG-1, the peace-loving Nox restore them to life. Mm. But while these gentle people can bring back the dead, can they resist the deadly technology of the bloodthirsty Gawuld? This is the episode with Armin Sh I am Quark, son of Keldar. Yes, the Nox are important. They show up several other times. And then, on the mysterious planet Argos, the beautiful Cynthia seduces Colonel O'Neill, which means he's condemned to an Argosian lifespan of only a hundred days. As he turns <laughs> old and gray, will his team succeed in a frantic search for the cure? Cynthia, but that's pretty much it for them. Uh, I'm not, I learned it by reading. Like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> after that is Thor's Hammer, which is an episode that we watched, yes. so I'm just going to skip it. Unis and James Earl Jones. Mm -hmm. And then the Torment of Tantalus is after that. SG-1 goes to Heliopolis, and recovers Dr. Ernest Littlefield, who went through the Stargate in 1945 mm -hmm. <laughs> and never returned. Daniel nearly stays behind to study a book detailing the meaning of human existence left behind by the great four races. That's so on brand yes. for Daniel. Um, the meaning of, of the great meaning of life. Yeah, the, the that particular facility that they're in where he's learning all this stuff. It's a mingling mm -hmm. of four races, the ancients, the Nox. And oh. the furlings. Which the furlings? We never meet the furlings. <laughs> get over it. I can't even get over it. But that, that facility is on a cliff that is being eroded by tidal forces by the ocean. It's about to fall into the ocean okay. and Daniel won't leave. Damn it, Daniel. Mm -hmm. After that, Teal'c's son, Ryak. Okay. I would have used an E, not an A. but I know. Nevertheless, <laughs> is to be implanted with his first gold larvae. So SG-1 goes to prevent it. However, Ryak falls ill and can only be saved by the symbiote. Teal'c donates his own and receives a stolen one for himself. What? The, the team also meets Teal'c's first teacher, Braktak, formerly the greatest of... Sorry? Braktak. <laughs> once again, would have used a different vowel there. I, I, I uh, believe you. I agree with you. <laughs> formerly the greatest of all Jaffa warriors and now still a spry 133 who had taught Teal'c that the ghouls were false gods. And then SG-1 is given a false memory of Daniel's death by alien abductor Nem. Nem is a member of an amphibious species named Own and wants to know from Daniel what happened to his mate in ancient Babylon. Unfortunately, <laughs> ultimately, Daniel remembers the obscure fact from the study of his ancient myths and is allowed to go home. We never see them again. They're not referred to again. <laughs> That's um, interesting. After that, half four, one of the mothers of all ghouls, brainwashes the men of SGC with pheromones <laughs> and nearly makes O'Neill host to a larval ghoul conceived with Daniel. What we saw that? bits of this episode. Yes. Yeah, we, we saw bits of flashback from this episode. Yeah. The, the, bathtubs. Episode. yeah. the Hathor episode is known as one of the worst, but also one of the most important. It, <laughs> it's absolutely awful, but Hathor was a queen. Think of uh, the Gwaul and the Tok'ra even a little bit like um, bees in terms. There's a queen who gives birth to all the others. All the others are drones. Even though they're independent thinking creatures, they're drones. One queen spawns them all. Okay. Gross. Right. <laughs> yeah. This, Hathor was um, one of those. And oh, God, I hate Hathor. Hathor's like <laughs> the, the grossest bad guy we've known. All right. After this on the planet Honka. Honka Tough. On the planet Honka Tough, SG-1 finds the entire planet's inhabitants and SG-7 dead, except for Cassandra, a small girl who turns out to have been have an inoperable Nequandra bomb put in her by <laughs> Nerti to destroy the SGC. <laughs> Ultimately, the girl is given to the care of Dr. Janet Frazier after they discover the bomb will dissolve if she's kept away from the Stargate. I was going to ask if this was the same Cassandra that was mentioned uh, in the, that was Fraser's daughter. Yes, yeah. it is. Cassandra is basically Nerti destroyed 
this whole planet in her genetic experiments. And Nirti comes up in about four or five episodes throughout the series. One of them with Jonas. We'll get to him later. But yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. We met Jonas. We, we've met Jonas. Same I've Cassandra. made very many Jonas jokes. Yes, it is, yes. it is the same Cassandra. Okay. Before we move on, Angela, please confirm that 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 planet is not actually named Honka. Uh, is he saying? Tell me, he's saying that wrong. <laughs> it's it's Hanka. That one I don't recall. Honka, Hanka. <laughs> yeah, that one I don't yeah. know because we never go back to the planet name again. We just talk about Cassandra and see Cassandra. And the funny I mean, thing if about it the follows all of the Cassandra is a teenager played a whole other character related to Teal later on. Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. After this, the human inhabitants of the planet Cartago that was once enslaved condemned Teal'c for his atrocities that he once committed under Apothis. He is sentenced to death, but when the gold attack, Teal'c saves his accuser's life and proves he is a changed man. Mm-hmm. After that, SG-1 rescues a group of highly advanced Tolan from their homeworld, yes. which has experienced catastrophic volcanic eruptions. The military and the NID take an interest in their technology and attempt to imprison them for research purposes before Daniel helps them take refuge with the Nox. Yes, so here are the Nox again, and it's Tolan in the series. I love the Tolan. They come up later. If y'all remember Scara, did y'all watch mm-hmm. the did y'all watch the initial episode? Mm-hmm. The first one, right? Yeah, the one. pilot. Yeah. He was he was in the movie and the pilot, same character and actor. So Scara, mm-hmm. as you know, gets taken over by Apophis' son. They actually help rescue Scara from the Gaul. And the Talon are... So does does Scara get saved then? Yes. Ah, oh, that's a prediction no for me. Yeah, mm. Scara gets saved. I'll wait for a later episode to tell you the rest. Oh, uh, well, we'll get to it. Yes, yeah. we yeah. will. <laughs> uh, Carter and O'Neill are stranded on an icy planet when the Stargate malfunctions on their return journey to Earth. Mm-hmm. However, it turns out that they have merely been redirected to a second Stargate in Antarctica. Oh, yeah. Ah, oh, I love We've heard man. reference to the stuff in Antarctica. Okay. Very important. That's fun. After this, we've got Tin Man. <laughs> 11,000 years ago, the inhabitants of the planet Altier were forced to underground by deadly radiation and ultimately transferred their minds into exact android duplicates to survive. Mm-hmm. By the time SG-1 visits their planet, there's only one remaining individual, Harlan, Harlan. who creates android replicas of the Earth team to aid him. But when this is discovered, the androids must accept that they will stay off-world, and the real SG-1 returns home. Oh, a tortured android living forever named Harlan? Huh. Oh, Harlan. Wonder what that could be an allusion to. Oh, Harlan. <laughs> They come back up later, a few seasons down the road. All right. The Android version is uh, pretty af- great. After this, Daniel finds a strange alien mirror and is transported into an alternate universe where things are slightly different from his own reality, including a ghouled attack on Earth. Before uh. he returns home, he learns of a Stargate address where the attack originated. So we don't even get out of season one and we've already got alternate universes. <laughs> you know it. After that, Senator Robert Kinsey shuts down the Stargate program as the gate represents a global risk and also costs too much money, despite Daniel's warnings that Apophis will attack Earth and that the Stargate may be Earth's only defense. Oh, Kenzie. Uh, after this... Oh, yeah. He comes up a bunch. Kenzie. We get rid of him later. That's not that's not Picardo, is it? No. That's Woolsey. No, Kenzie is... Woolsey's Picardo. Yeah, Woolsey's Picardo. Woolsey goes on to Stargate Atlantis. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's fun. After this, SG-1 uses the Stargate to go to an address discovered by Daniel Jackson. This turns out to be Apothesis' ship, where they find that Skara has been made host to Apothesis' son. Mm. The ship reaches Earth, and the fate of the world hangs in the balance. (laughs) All right, so we've been through Season 1. We have two episodes worth of predictions from Season 1. Do we want to get some confirms on those from the Gatekeeper real quick before we move on? Yes, because if I, according to my math... I only have one point from season one, so I'd like to get a chance to to confirm some some confirmations here. <laughs> well, I can just see how you're doing. I'll go really quick because I think all of mine I've already I know for sure which ones are true or not, so we can get mine out of the way real okay. quick. First prediction: Kowalski gets saved. No, he does. Nope. Uh, no. Well, uh, second yes. position. No, but yes, let's see him again. Yeah, there's there's an alternate Kowalski, but. It's not our prime Kowalski. Yeah. Kowalski. O- OG Kowalski. Yeah. 
is gone. Yeah. yeah. Dead gone. Uh, our season season one ends without dang it, it's Sharae, right? Sharae. Sharae, yep. Okay. Our season ends without Sharae being saved. That is correct. And then we find more gates on Earth. I didn't realize they did that in season one, but I knew that <laughs> they eventually yeah. did once they were like, Oh yeah, we've got the Atlantis Gate. The Atlantis Gate, yeah, yeah. I had we never see Thor's hammer again. Hey, we've got a, a device that magically can kill Gould. Let's never try and fix it. Hey, we we meet the Asgardians. Do we ever say, hey, can we fix it? No, no. <laughs> yes, we do, actually. Well, we meet them, but, but we, they, oh. they go back and fix the, the, the hammer? They do. No, they do. Oh, uh, the then. Gets, oh, attacked. you lose points, Ben. That's interesting. That, that means the, the research lab lied. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, we, we have found out the lab rats have been lying to us, Ben. <laughs> Trust the person that's seen not... 15 times over. So the planet gets attacked, and they message SG-1. They throw the, the box that they gave them through the, the portal, or what they call the portal. Hey, you know, I didn't know anything else to do. SG-1 goes through. Sure enough, it's being attacked. They get in touch with the Asgard. Hey, we screwed up. Fix this. It ends up getting fixed. <laughs> but they also... The Asgard are advanced enough to make an exception for the for specifically. Oh, okay, that's right. Because yeah, when he first went through the yeah, hammers, read read his symbiote and took him in. Yeah, so they they fix it. They make an exception, and that's when we learn about the protected planets. Whole other story. Moving on. Okay, I don't think yeah, I don't think we ever. I think we skipped over any of the protected planet. Arcs. Oh, that is so important. <laughs> that's a, that's a new yeah, one gosh darn it. Well, apparently not, because we got to the end. It never came up. Now, yeah. Then I had Teal gets rid of his belly worm. We, we've learned that that happened. And then I said they never start carrying plasma weapons, even though they recover a bunch of, of yeah, plastics. We, we see that. We, but we see already, later they have little, right. little, 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 tiny ones. And then they have the snazers. <laughs> the what? That's... I'm pretty sure they're called they're called zats, but it's the term that, that I can't. Yeah, yeah. The, the little snake. The, can... They're snake lasers. We've called them snazers this entire time. <laughs> so the full is Zatnikatel, and short version there is Zat guns. Okay. <laughs> I like snazers though. That's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We get a lower decks episode. Like a like an episode focused on not the main characters. Yeah, not, yeah, not like we get a couple of those. Not quite the same, but oh, okay. we get one called okay. the other guys. That, yeah, that's, that's exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yep. All right. O'Neill turns down a promotion at some point. Yes, absolutely. Ha. He ends okay. Up Planet, on, but he turns it down several times. Okay. Cool. We Planet of the Greeks. Yeah, we did have a little bit of that. The planet was Kenthia, where O'Neill aged was Greek. Oh, okay. Wow. Planet of the Bhagavad Gita, which is like a Hindu planet or mm-hmm. like an Indian themed planet. Not that I recall. There might have been something kind okay. of alluded to, but no, not And then it was humanity who built the Stargates forever ago. I think you confirmed that was not true uh, initially. No, mostly. No, mostly. <laughs> we, How well, mostly it was are we talking? And they mostly come at night. Mostly. No, I remember this affair. You specifically said you thought it was not, it's not built, but invented was the term that you used. It was invented mm. by a race much similar to ours before they evolved. Yeah, but that's not us. That's not, well, humans. not humans. Not, not, <laughs> not, not humans. humans that evolved on Earth. And there is some theory. Okay. Completely okay. Not humans that evolved on Earth. Okay. Good not enough, the yeah. ones that evolved on Good Earth enough. or that were influenced by evolution of others. Okay. And then what are your predictions from the first two eps, Vic? Oh, so I've just got a couple here. The I think you confirmed this one for me. The iris gets blown off at some point. Oh, yeah. It gets destroyed. Yeah, it does. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sweet. Enhance it and change it up. I just don't see. Why didn't they ever just, just turn put it over a big pit? Stargate colon <laughs> pit. Uh, let's incoming see. Incoming games would fall through and die. Exactly. Well, you know, if. Yeah. Well, okay. No plan is perfect. No. And O'Neill's wife or ex-wife, does she ever show up on the show? <laughs> Hold on. Better? All right. And, and, um, and specifically, I mean, his, yeah, I, I'm assuming they got divorced at some point during the show. But in the original movie, O'Neill was married and his wife was in the movie for about less than a minute of screen time. Um, and my prediction was she never 
comes on to the actual SG one show. One episode. She's just forgotten about the crystal episode. The what? The crystal episode. One episode. That, one the episode. one episode is more than zero. So they mentioned that's her. They mentioned her a few, a handful of times, but she was in the in the movie. They come back for that one crystal episode where that crystal entity disguises himself as Charlie, as a son. Mm. And Sarah. Oh, that's mean. Ooh. Sarah <laughs> shows up later because you know. Oh, Charlie's alive. Well, no, not really. It's <laughs> not Charlie. Okay, and then my. Then my last two I had questions about was, is there ever a point in where Teal'c's, in the early season, when Teal'c has his, his Gua'uld inside him, does the Gua'uld ever escape? And and they, and they the SG-1 has to go track it down and get it back. No. Damn it. <laughs> they take it out a few times, but for testing. But it, it never... No. I just, so it, it never like gets kidnapped or held hostage or tries to there, run away or anything. There are larval Gua'uld that are in the Jaffa. If they leave... They die. They're too young to live okay. outside, even from brief gotcha. okay. yeah. My last question for the early seasons is: Does Teal'c ever get a human girlfriend or a human crush? Yes. Or a he does. Yes. A human, well, a human specifically. Yep. Until okay. Teal'c gets to the opportunity to live off planet, they're to live on Earth. To live off the base. Oh, but okay. and he makes friends right. and gets very close with his neighbor. Who oh. is played by, I can't remember her name, the same actress that played Lois Lane on Smallville. No way. Yep. <laughs> is that, that's not, oh, oh, I know. She has a, she has a hard to pronounce last name. Christine Krulik or something. That was right? Lana Lang. No, no. Yeah, Krulik played Lana, Lana Lang, Lane. not Lois Lane. <laughs> I can't remember her name right now. But I feel like you're messing with me, Ben. No. <laughs> I would look it up, but that would kill my crappy internet connection. Yeah, no, no worries. No worries. No worries. All right. All right, Ben, you want to take us into season two? All right. Take us to season two. Season, season two, we'll try two. to get Here through this. Go. We'll try to get through this quick because we still have nine seasons to go. And we're 40 <laughs> minutes into this. This is going to be a multi-part episode. All we'll right. Just, we'll figure it out later. Okay. So starting in season two, Teal'c's former mentor, mentor Braytac, joins their fight and they embark on a mission, planting bombs to destroy Apophis' ship and halt the attack on Earth. Eventually, they destroy the two ships and escape uh, in death gliders. We saw this in our flashback. Yeah. When the planet Nisaya, P3X382, falls under attack by the Gua'uld, Carter is possessed by a Gua'uld. When the Gua'uld discover, is discovered, she claims to be Jolinar, a member of the Tok'ra, a legendary ah, faction yeah. of rebel Gua'uld opposed to the system lords. When Jolinar is assassinated, she saves the life of Samantha Carter. And then, after being sentenced to life imprisonment on the planet Hadante, uh, SG-1 escapes with the help of a female inmate named Linnea, who has great herbal knowledge. I, we got a couple of friends with great herbal knowledge. <laughs> no one herb very, very Michigan, well. whatever. Uh, <laughs> after they set her free, they discovered she is known as the destroyer of worlds for once having <laughs> deliberately created a vaccine that caused contagious sickness, killing half the population of a planet. Yikes. Yikes, Death she Walker. She up again later. Daniel sleeps there. Total fun. <laughs> and then SG-1 discovers a world where all the people are enclosed in a virtual reality, still believing their planet is dead. SG-1 becomes trapped in the virtual reality, but manages to inform the resident their planet is beautiful again, and they all go free. And then, off-world, Daniel stops a young woman from killing herself. She turns out to be the daughter of Pyrus the Godslayer, the ruler of the planet who had overthrown the Gould overlord, but kept the other Goulds from finding out. He keeps the people virtually enslaved and sends back Nequadria, she falls in love with him and uses the narcotic properties of the sarcophagus to keep him with her. But once he is rehabilitated and eventually let back into SG-1, he visits the woman whose father had died and she promises to improve the lot of her people. Mm. Then And then SG-1 returns to Samaria to help defend the planet when the Gould invade. Hey, we talked about this. Yep. After a series of tests, they finally reach Thor, who reveals himself to be a puppet. I mean, an Asgard. He is dismayed by SG-1's interference, but responds to the crisis by coming in personally and removing the invaders from the planet. And then SG-1 brings back a mysterious sphere from P5C-353, 
The sphere suddenly sprouts rods that impale O'Neill's shoulder. Hey, we saw that. Pinning him to the wall. (laughs) After attempts to remove it, SG-1 discover it contains microscopic aliens that feed on the energy, feed on energy who are the last of an alien race. They eventually agree to relocate to P4G-881, a planet more suitable for them than Earth. Then we get Braytac brings word that Apophis has kidnapped Teal'c's son, Ryak, returning to Chulak with SG-1. Teal'c finds that his son is brainwashed and loyal to Apophis. Apophis has implanted some deadly pathogen on Ryak, which would have destroyed all life on Earth if activated. They resort to, at last, to Zat, blasting Ryak to overcome brainwash the brainwashing chemical. Having fulfilled their promise to Sharae's father, Daniel and Teal'c return to Abydos. Upon their arrival, Daniel learns that his wife, after having been captured by the Gould, is now pregnant by Apophis. On Earth, the Stargate program is under risk of being exposed by a reporter. We saw that one. We saw that one, yeah. Then Teal'c is stung by a strange insect while exploring a planet, because I'm not going to read these (laughs) these names anymore. I didn't. Uh, I I just skipped them if they didn't say another name, Ben. Yeah. (laughs) Upon returning to Earth, the virus begins changing Teal'c's DNA into its own. He escapes the SGC and develops a friendship with a young girl, Allie, and is ultimately cured. (laughs) (laughs) Jolinar has left a mental imprint on Carter, who dreams of the Stargate address of the hidden Tok'ra base on a planet. While SG-1 finds, find and liaise in the sewers. Yeah. Find (laughs) and liaise with the Tok'ra under their leader Splinter, Carter's father Jacob is dying of cancer. SG-1 offers an alliance with the Tok'ra, but is turned down because Earth doesn't have enough to offer. Oh man, that is every, every time I ask somebody else. I'm sorry, but 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 why? No. Then we have the second part of our Tokra two-parter. SG-1 make their alliance with the Tokra official when Jacob offers himself as a new host for Selmak, whose old host is dying. Hey, they figured hey. that out pretty quick. Hey, yeah, good for them. SG-1 discovers a migratory people descended from Native American Salish tribes on a planet. The Salish refuse to allow the SGC to mine their planet's large deposits of valuable metal tritium believing it would upset the spirits of the natural world. Under pressure from above, General Hammond orders mining to proceed without Salish permission. Yikes! Incurring the wrath of their spirits. In fact, advanced aliens who freed the Salish from Gould a millennia ago. The Salish spirits attack the SGC until SG-1 convinces them that burying the Stargate would be a better solution than destroying the base. Yikes! Bad take, General Hammond. They handled this one better than... Then that Star Trek episode with Picard and the Native Americans oh, on the Cardassian uh, planet. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Well, that is a terrible take. It is also two points for me. So. <laughs> I'm just SEC and it doesn't work out. The, the... If they manage to find Native Americans from a millennia ago, you could be like, "You, you are it. You are the one group mm-hmm. of Native Americans white people haven't screwed over." Like <laughs> we, we can no, just, we can run run with this. It's like nope, nope. No, wait just a damn minute here. <laughs> We're not going to let them get away with this. <laughs> All right, inhabitants of the planet Madrona accuse SG One of stealing their touchstone, an artifact that can control the planet's weather. The Madronans. It is not a touchstone. Uh, claim that men Does dress. What? Yeah, so it's, it, the episode is called Touchstone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> men dressed in SGC uniforms took the device, and SG-1 suspect that men, maybe the thieves are using the second gate found in Antarctica. Mm-hmm. Then next, O'Neill is grabbed by an ancient repository of knowledge that has alien knowledge downloaded into his mind. Before Jack's mind is overrun, he discovers the gate address to the Asgard homeworld, who removed the information from his brain, saving his life. Yep. And I bet that whole episode, Dan Jax is just like, it should have been me. I should be the one dying because I know too much. However, he also acknowledges he's the only one that could have translated Jack in the first place because mm. he starts speaking mm. the ancient language. SG-10 is stranded on a planet which is closely formed to an is close to a newly formed black hole. The SGC yeah. opens Ooh. the gate to find out what happened, but they cannot shut it down afterwards. Soon they realize the planet is soon they realize that since the planet is near a black hole, the intense gravity is causing time dilation. So if they do not shut down the gate very soon, it will destroy the SGC and in time the entire planet. That's a good one. SG-1 meets an elderly man called Michelo, 
Machello. Machello. Yeah. In my head, he is now the Macho Man. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> Macho. Oh, yeah. Listen, brother. And learns that he has been hunted by the Gould his entire life due to his inventions of technological devices meant to oppose them. Machelo convinces Daniel to grasp a device made to switch bodies and then escapes, leaving Daniel to die in the old body of Machelo. Oops. Mm-hmm. Body swap. Body swap episode. That's I only the that first one. of May. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I were joking. I'm not. I, I believe you. I a thousand percent believe you. This is Death Glider crashes. And, man, they name stuff. Like, hey, we're the system lords and we're flying around in Death Gliders. Are we the baddies? Well, yeah. <laughs> crashes on a planet. Dying, he is brought to the SGC. The Tauri wish to interrogate him. Ha- however, Martuf. Martuf, yes. Martuf warns them that Sokar and many other Gawuld want them. The Tauri fail uh, to heed his warning, and Sok- uh, Sokar tries to attack Earth uh, as he wants Apophis, but is stopped when they hand over the dead Apophis. However, Matouf informs them Sokar will use the sarcophagus to revive him and torture him yeah. indefinitely. So, real quick, so- Sokar is played by the same actor that played Anubis, and Martouf was a love interest of the symbiote that took over Samantha Carter early on, Jolinar. Huh. Yeah, it's complicated. Wait, play the same actor who's played Anubis, but yeah. this with the hood uh-huh. that we never... Well, they had to have a body in place for the green screen to do its thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 We only right. saw the, the hood. Voice, so it was yeah. amplified and modified, yeah. <laughs> same guy doing the same crap. Also, it does <laughs> seem that a lot of... Uh, I was looking stuff up. A lot of our Asgardians are all voiced by our different main cast members, which I think is cute. So, any guesses yeah. who does Thor? Oh, we already know. Oh, we, it's, we, we found we it. Yeah, it's Daniel yeah. Jackson. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So a lot of the a lot of the Asgard are voiced by people we know. That's awesome. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> After a UAV crashes into a large white plant on a planet, SG One encounters inhabitants who appear to be dying in mass. SG One mm-hmm. discovers that the aliens defend the plant, the large plants, for survival because of an essential infrasound they emit. And rectify the situation. Huh. Infrasound. Yep. Is that actually yeah. a thing? Yep. Or- yeah. Infrasound. Yeah. It is sound that is too low for most people to hear, and it is uh, what is it? So it's you're not actively hearing it, but it, it resonates with you, and it is hypothesized that infrasound is responsible for a lot of people's like ghost experiences. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm hypersensitive. No, I- As a person, I'm hypersensitive to light and sound on occasion and mm. i can definitely attest to certain sounds and certain decibels of sound will definitely mess with you whether physically or I, I wonder if this is the same thing i read in a piece of trivia a while back that ridley scott used a sound like this something that's not audible to the human ear and played it during some of the scary scenes in alien oh mm-hmm. i believe just to it. make audiences yeah. Yeah. Certain certain types of sound and certain volumes, decibels of those sounds change how you feel and believe right at the moment. So, I'm not saying that he didn't, <laughs> but I will point out that most speakers are designed to only play sounds that you can hear because what's the fucking point to have speakers that can play sounds you can't hear? Except fair, so they go to eleven. I'm pretty sure I read this on Cracked, so yeah, it might be bullshit. <laughs> Well, it might it might have been intended to be in there, and it might be in the print, and it might have be, even been, depending on the speaker systems in some theaters present, but it would not be a universal viewing experience. All right, well, Fair we enough. are almost done with season two. A young no. boy warns SGC of a plot by invisible insectoid aliens to destroy all humans. Hey, sexy mama. Want to kill all humans? A minority of the Raytu, which is the aliens, wage war on the old by eliminating their potential hosts, humans. The rebels operate in five-man suicide units who are capable of setting off explosions equivalent to a small tactical nuke. SG-1 decides his warning is real and call the Toker for help, who provide TERs that locate the Raytus already hiding in the base and eliminate them. When SG-1 steps through the gate to a planet, a solar fair flare sends SG-1 back in time. Yeah. They meet a, <laughs> they meet a young... Our favorite episode ever. Yeah. Yep, they meet a young General Hammond, then a lieutenant, who helps them due to a note, 
They find the Stargate of 1969 and activate it during another solar flare returning home. Time travel episode. One oh, minute. man. Yeah. That's great. I would have loved if they, if it somehow tied into the episode where the Ferengi go back to Roswell. <laughs> All right. And then finally, O'Neill Carter and Daniel awaken in, from stasis in what appears to be the SGC almost 79 years in the future. They discovered it's actually uh, a Gould hoax made by Hathor. Meanwhile, Teal leaves the SGC to find SG-1. We watched this one. This was our our first clip show that we saw. Okay. <laughs> the introduction of the clip show device. Yep. Yeah, they use that a lot, but they're very actually very good at it. Yeah, I was impressed. I was impressed. Yeah. It didn't have uh, a lot of the typical clip show cliches, I felt. Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, it was woven into the a, plot really well. Less of a clip show than a previously on kind of thing. Yeah. And in, in our last time on canon that we've created, the clip show device is a reoccurring torture mechanism used by the, the Guo world. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Well, with that, it's the end of season two. Why don't we go over any predictions we've still got floating from season two and see oh, how our yeah. points are doing? Let's do. I've got a uh, planet, planet of the Celts. Celts. Like the Celtic. Does that happen? The closest you come is Thor's hammer. Yeah. Those guys. Oh, yeah, and that's Norse. And it's Norse, so yeah. that's the closest you come, so no. Okay, uh, Jesus was an alien. <laughs> uh, we won't address that. That's, that's, okay. that's very carefully not addressed. Never brought I up. I threw a lot around with the seeing who an alien may or may yeah, not be. Never brought up. But we do know that Merlin was an alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do know Merlin was an alien. alien. And then Clancy Brown never shows up, right? No. I checked. Yeah, no plans. Yeah, no. <laughs> I wish. Don't you fair? He's been in everything okay. else. Don't you fair? Are you going to buy his sword? <laughs> no. I, I saw that it's on the auction, and I'm not buying the sword. Oh, darn. Let's see. Was that it for you, Jafar? Yep. All right. Sweet. I only have... Overall decent I only um, have... descriptions y'all gave or read out were... Okay, fine. A lot of what <laughs> you haven't seen, you're going to see again if you have not already. And holy shit, some of these descriptions are woefully lack well i i've only got three yeah three predictions here that i that i like to that are up in the air first off this one was confirmed by the lab but since we now know that they are not the most reliable source on the internet for accuracy yeah, yeah. when this one by you but the the lab rats told us that teal rides a motorcycle no ah okay if he did, it's for that I don't remember, and that's not likely. Yeah. And what about Sheree? It's Sheree. It's Sheree. Uh, in the movie, it was Sheree. In the show, uh, it's Sheree. Ah. Ah. Okay. Yeah. So there is a little bit of mix up there, but it's Sheree in the, in the series. Does she ever become a system lord? Well, she is the wife to a system lord. Ah, okay. Yeah. No, not I was specifically. Herself. Okay. And yeah. she gives birth to a child who is a Harcesis. So, uh, child radish, of, what? A Harcesis child is one born of two hosts who are also Gua'uld. Oh, yeah. interesting. Harcesis are outlawed even amongst the Gua'uld because they can have great power. Oh, interesting. So Apophis impregnates Sharae. Yeah, yeah, we saw that episode. Yeah, yeah. And she has the baby and it gets protected and moved on later on. So, yeah. Yeah. Gets to hang out with Erica Vari. That's cool. Well, <laughs> always love him, of course. Yeah. So, and my last, uh, my last one to run by for this season was: Does SG One or actually, I, I guess any of the SG teams, do they ever, are they ever in a panic and do they just dial a random number to escape? Yes, it has been tried only once or twice because it worked. Because gate addresses are not works for me. They don't work that <laughs> once or twice. Is more than one. It's more of a, oh, hey, we think we know this one. It's close to this. Let's try it. Yeah. So so they jump in blind is, is basically we what I'm saying. Ju- yes. Jump in blind. Yes. We we know this nice. one. The the mount, the system dialed this and it connected. Do we know what's over on the other side? No. Jump in blind. Yes. All right. Uh, the poor mount. The only one I want to just double check. We have the the reporter Armin who who gets killed. His mm-hmm. story ne- never gets out, does it? Armin, he was the one the reporter who gets run over by the car. The conspiracy, yeah. Not that I know of. All right, okay. 
and with I'm trying to keep in check my memory of other series besides SG One. So not that I can think. Of. Only SG One counts. Yep. Oh no, that's what I'm trying to keep in check my Atlantis and Universe. Model, okay. You know? Nice. All right, Vic, you want to take us through season three? Here we go. Into season three begins with the episode "Into the Fire." Oh boy. <laughs> the SGC sends a rescue mission to Hathor's base to retrieve SG-1, and O'Neill kills Hathor. <laughs> Using Tok'ra tunnels already present on the planet, SG-1 escapes and returns home. Tok'ra tunnels. Nice. And then... Was underground. So so you could say that they're sewers. Mm-hmm. They're still not <laughs> the like turtles. Pizza? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said maybe. <laughs> and then the Tok'ra seek a ghoul named Seth. Who lives? Who has lived on Earth for uh-huh. thousands of years and is now the leader of a dangerous cult? SG One uses snazers to overcome the cult members' brainwashing, and uh-huh. in the ensuing rescue, Seth is killed by Carter. I may have edited this Wikipedia page to say snazers. We'll see how long it lasts. And then Captain Carter is promoted to the rank of major. The Asgard warned the SGC that the Gulwuld are planning an attack on Earth. With the help of the Asgard, SG One negotiates with three Gulwuld system lords, Cronus. Nitri and you. We've seen you. Don't even get. But have you seen me? <laughs> Don't even start. Yes, we 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 also we, we also know that vaudeville is strictly outlawed by the gold. Yeah. <laughs> to bring Earth into the protected planets treaty, an attack on Cronus endangers the deal. And then on PY three nine four eight, SG one finds corpses of several humans who clearly once had gold symbiotes. Upon returning. Daniel Jackson shows signs of schizophrenia. Bacon 90 schizophrenia. Oh. <laughs> the cause. Oh, yeah. Machello. <laughs> yep. The the cause is a ghoul mm-hmm. killer of Machellos having a strange effect on a non ghoul and the devices are neutralized. And then SG1 visits a planet named Orban, who, where knowledge is harvested through its children, called Uron. When an Uron reaches a certain age, their nanites are harvested and they regress into an infantile state. And remain that way as the Orbanians have no concept of traditional education. What the fuck? Yep. I'll explain that later. Uh, and then using the mirror from there but for the grace of God, an alternate Carter and alternate Charles Kowalski oh. come to the SGC from Earth, from an Earth that has been invaded by the Gould. SG1 saves the alternate reality by contacting the Asgard there. Mm-hmm. And, and then SG1 is captured by a bounty hunter. Sam J. Jones is his name. I don't know if that's the name of the actor or I think that's uh, it. who uses them to help catch a Tok'ra named Korra. The Gould has oh, his yeah. Korra Mark Holden. The Gould has his race addicted to a drug that can be supplied only by oh. them, but he repents at the last moment and asks Sam to help free his race from the drug. That was an episode of Star Trek. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and then SG-1 visits a planet ruled by a ghoul-old-infested Unus, <laughs> who uses the persona of the devil to keep the residents ruled by fear. <laughs> this was also a Star Trek episode. <laughs> <laughs> they free the people of the devil and instruct them to bury the Stargate. All right, cool. Mm-hmm. And then SG-1 discovers a planet where Apophis was training human slaves to infiltrate the SGC. Yes. SG-1 shows them footage of Apophis dying, and they all renounce him as a false god. Fake SGC. I love it. <laughs> and then, after being found on PHX-873, Daniel's wife, Sheree, is killed by Teal'c to prevent the gold yep. controlling her from killing Daniel. Daniel quits the SGC and then starts seeing visions, a residual thought transferred to him by Sheree in the last moments. Yeah. He must find her son, Shifu, who is a known Harsisis. Harsisis. Harsisis? Harsisis. Harsisis, okay. Harsisis. Harsisis Pizza. I know that place. <laughs> pizza, pizza. That's what I mentioned earlier. Yeah, it's a very serious <laughs> yeah. episode. Yeah, it's pretty oof, heavy it's stuff. It's heavy, yeah. And then SG-1 travels to a world named Vias, where the people have lost their memories in an event called the Vorlix and are in search of Linnea. their elders. The, Vor- the what? Linnea. Move uh, on. Okay. The Vorlix was following a visit from Linnea, the destroyer of worlds, and they feel responsible for the problems on Vias. A young woman with vast knowledge about biochemistry assists them to research the world's past, connects strongly with Daniel. Orner is played by what? James... Orner is played by Jason Gray Stanford. Yes. And then Jacob 
slash Selmac is captured by Sokar. Oh, Jolin. boy. Here we go. Jolinar was the only one, was the only person to escape from home moon, hell, near the planet Delmac. And Carter has residual memories of the method. SG-1 is captured and discovers Apophis controls the moon. Jesus, dude, how many times does Apophis die? He, <laughs> we never get rid of him. Let's go with that. SG-1 manages to escape the Netu with Jacob and Selmak and make it back to Earth using a Toker bomb that blows up the moon. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and destroys, destroys Sokar's ship, killing Sokar with it. Apophis, however, escapes and has risen again. And then Stargate Command is under control by aliens originating from P3X118. They use a frequency-based technology that allows them to mimic the appearance of other beings, i.e. humans. Carter must ask Colonel Mayborn to help retake their base. Mm -hmm. And then Skara slash Chlorel crash lands on the Tolan's homeworld named Tolona and invite the Tolan... And the and the Tolan invite SG One to represent Scara in a trial to decide whether Scara or Chlorel has the right to use Scara's body. Scara wins. Laya of the Nox and SG One prevent a Gould attack on Talana. Yep, courtroom episode. I called that one. <laughs> uh, pause for a moment. Questions? Yes. Or or comments about this one? What what? A very important episode. Yes, the lock the the Nox come back on. And they are very critical into both protecting Talana, which, of course, doesn't work out. But, yeah, very important for the rest of the series. Nice. Okay. Uh, up next, the members of SG-1 are implanted with an annoyingly extroverted AI named Ergo. Oh, played by Dom, Dom DeLuise, by the way. Dom played by Dom DeLuise. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, God. They, meant, they managed to rectify the problem by visiting Ergo's creator who implants Ergo in himself instead to improve his personality. Hello, Ergo. <laughs> oh, man, I wish we could have seen that one. <laughs> uh, you have to watch it now. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm totally going back to watch that one. And then SG-1 visits Edora just in time for a meteor shower caused by the planet passing through an asteroid field. Anticipating significant damage from the meteorite impact, they attempt to evacuate the inhabitants. O'Neill is left behind while searching for stragglers. After the meteor shower, O'Neill cannot find the gate, <laughs> which has been buried by a meteor strike. It takes Carter and Stargate Command a hundred days to develop a means to reestablish contact using a particle beam inspired by Sokar's attack on Earth in Serpent Song. I'm guessing Serpent Song was the name of an episode. episode. That was the episode, yeah. And then, after stealing technology from the Tolan, O'Neill is forced to retire. Wow. He joins a rogue SG team dedicated to obtaining advanced technology by any means and then store them on, okay, what the hell, in this Wikipedia article, instead of naming the planet, they put the symbols from the Stargate. They listed the seven-digit code. Oh. <laughs> How did they even do that? <laughs> like, like, is that a font now? <laughs> also, I really want that rogue Stargate team to be SG negative one. SG pi. Okay, however, O'Neill was actually on a secret mission as a double agent to find and capture the rogues. He also comes across the Tyrnod, a cave-dwelling race on PX3-595 under the protection of the Asgard, who gave them invisibility devices to hide from predators. Nifty. <laughs> Man. And then, I believe we saw this episode, SG-1 visits a yep. planet designated P2X416 where the Countries of Bedrosia and Optrica are in the middle of a war. Yeah, we, oh, we saw this one. Very the infiltrator. Yeah. Yeah, they, the Earth is flat and one side is Teal freezing with the help of Nyan. This is where Teal gets bitten by a bat and goes blind, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. And then Daniel knows that Hars, the, the Harsesis, the Harkesis, the Har things are long It's <laughs> on a planet, is on a planet called Keb. Braytac knows how to get there, as it is the planet the Jaffa believe to be the destination of their soul after death. They find a Zen monk who teaches Daniel about the ways of ascension, and an ascended being, Oma de, de Sala, saves the child. No. Okay, no yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And no shit, this next episode is titled Crystal Skull. Oh, yep. God, <laughs> I hate that one. I love that one. 
SG-1 finds a Mayan ziggurat in a leptin-rich environment on planet P7X dash a crystal skull that makes Daniel a ghost. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> it just says it makes... That's it. Hey, Dr. Crusher is like, set a course. He's only in an alternate <laughs> dimension, but ghost. Okay, Daniel's grandfather, Nicholas Ballard, found a similar skull in Belize. Fuck, <laughs> this is Indiana Jones. Yes, holy crap, yes it is. When they return to the planet, giant aliens who have vaguely hum humanoid but insubstantial forms appear and return Daniel to normal. Who the fuck wrote this episode, man? Oh, I they don't were... know, they're <laughs> giant aliens. All right, and finally, Thor's starship has been infected by replicators. Oh, in order to fuck the replicators. <laughs> in order to keep it from landing on Earth, SG-1 disables the deceleration engine so the ship burns up in the atmosphere and crashes in the Pacific. While they attempt to escape to peace, one replicator remains. One. <laughs> and one. that is the end of season three. Oh. All right. Can we move on We've from got... season three? Even I don't want to do this. <laughs> well, we do have one episode of predictions from okay. season three we should cover. Two. Yeah. No, one. Hmm. What? We only watched one episode of season three. But so we, we didn't talk about any of our season three, three finale or season two finale episode questions. Okay. I did. Oh, okay. Uh, never. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If we're you good. didn't do your season two finale yet, do those, Ben. But wait and not pay attention when I said do two episodes. <laughs> you said you had three questions, which I read as one episode's worth of. There was a logic behind it. Anyways, does Daniel get a field commission at some point? He doesn't really have a rank ever. Nope. And I feel like at some point he needs one. He no, does. not even one for just an episode. He not does. even for just like a. Ten minutes, he gets to be a commander to nope. lead some people. Missions, but he is always this feeling. Okay, and then the team finds a game on an alien planet and then plays it in a later episode. Mm, yes, when it comes to that virtual reality episode. Okay, I'll take it. Yeah, they do. They <laughs> That's do not a that game. game play it later on. Yes, it is. Well, no, but Tilk almost dies in the virtual game, so. Okay. They, they do come up with that and reuse it later on. So. Okay. Yeah. All right, Ben, you got two episodes to go over here, prediction-wise? Um, but I don't, I don't have any questions. Oh, okay. For the questions? Okay. Uh, I have GC defects to the Guawuld. Does that ever happen? Not to do, the Guawuld. So we, we don't get a human traitor? Mm. Uh, uh, human traitors? Okay. Human traitor, but not the Guawuld. Okay. Ooh, okay. Too specific. Yep. Yeah, mm. that, one, uh, that one's mixed. Okay, yeah, too specific for me. Does she, do we ever see Cheyenne Mountain explode? Mm, alternate reality, <laughs> yes. Mm, that's still Cheyenne Mountain. All right, exploding. I guess that's good enough for me. <laughs> you see, it? it's not our reality as we know it. It is a Cheyenne Mountain. <laughs> it is a Cheyenne Mountain explodes. Mountain. Good enough. Good enough. <laughs> good enough. And finally, does. Does the SG-1 team ever ride horses? No. No horse riding? Okay. No, no motorcycles, no horses. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm disappointed. Disappointed! Well, that's the first three seasons. We've been at this a while. And guys, I, I need a break. <laughs> I need to take a week off of this <laughs> and come back next week to go over season four and on with our predictions. And review. Does that seem fair to everyone? Yeah. This is a lot of TV show. It's a lot more TV show than we've done historically. <laughs> yes. It's not easy compressing this much television into a short amount of time. I think yeah. I think we may have covered in these three seasons all as many episodes as all of Breaking Bad and Into the Badlands combined. <laughs> yeah. So we're at a good pace, but we just got to stop now so that I can go take a nap for a week and then wake up again and then record the next one so we're gonna do that but before we go we do have to say thank you to ripe for our theme song goon squad we appreciate the hell out of you and uh thank you to the everyone in the dominion media research lab for your participation and lies uh, no points and for lies. accuracy <laughs> dirty dirty lies and thank you to annette lucina <laughs> for your photograph of a television that we have turned into our podcast artwork thank you for making free art so we can make free art and thank you for joining us, Angela. For those Absolutely. of you out there, listeners in Texas, you can see Angela this year at the Sherwood Forest Renaissance Fair. Angela, tell, tell our listeners at home a little bit about who you're going to be portraying out there at Sherwood Forest. So I was originally slated to be a persecuted villager. 
I am currently the lady-in-waiting to the Empress of Rome, but there is a very big chance that I will be a Zafrant because I did, such a, I, I did such a good job. I'll tell you about that later. I did such a good job of trying to help the young lady playing Agnes who is trying to vie for Prince John's hand in marriage. I'm like, here, let me show you what I would do. And the director saw it and said, like, hey, we like that. But Sherwood Forest Fair is a medieval themed fair, not Renaissance. It's a little bit older. And we center around the Robin Hood Maid Marian story. And uh, a lot of people like it. It's very inclusive, very comfortable fair. So yeah, that's my weekends. And my day so job, you... yeah, my day job centers around helping senior citizens and those with memory care issues navigate through life. Thanks so much. Yeah. For all that. That's pretty amazing that you got a promotion from persecuted villager to princess of France. Is what? Yeah, a, that's a big I, jump. I am a contessa. <laughs> I am a contessa. <laughs> which is basically the equivalent of princess. Well, congrats on your promotion. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and we will catch you all next time on Last Time On. Okay, bathroom break. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>